1: Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code five that's the word five f-i-v-e they also have re-up and referral bonuses as well follow my lead and open an account with bet us you bet you win you get paid bet us let me tell you about underdog fantasy underdog fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season just draft no need to worry about waivers lineups or injuries underdog fantasy handles it all for you Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring over your home league over to underdogfantasy.com. You get $25 upon sign-up so you can take a free shot at a million-dollar grand prize for their fantasy football tournament. Again, you get $25 free in bonus cash when you use the code 5RSN to sign up. It has never been easier to take a shot at a million dollar prize in their best ball mania tournament. Go to underdogfantasy.com, the app store, or Google Play store, use the promo code 5RSN and get $25 in bonus cash. Sign up today. Ubrake Wheel Fix is a wheel repair and remanufacturing company with over 20 years of experience. They specialize in complete wheel repair. Repairing wheels from curb rash, bends, and cracks. They also specialize in refinishing from polishing, machining, and custom colors that will suit your car's needs. Lastly, U Brake Wheel Fix offers a full array of factory and custom wheel and tire applications. Contact them at 305 748 0112. That's 305 748 0112 or at You break wheel fix on all social platforms. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States for more than 60 years combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24-7. Walk in, call in, click in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at sfagentpeters.com. Or you can call at 305 275 5585. Remember, lewispeters.com.
2: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
1: And we're on, and welcome to another edition of 3 Yards per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Coffin is here. And as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN for 20% off your entire order. Well, some news, guys. Some news, Simon. What? Jakeem Grant got traded. Oh. Can you remember anybody having a worse start to their season than Jakeem Grant? Okay. that's pretty
2: bad uh, it was pretty bad but um i the most fitting thing is just his last play as a dolphin was him being absolutely thrown <laughs> out, of the like, club. like thrown out of out of the stadium and out of out of the area code really Lost in the trash. Um,
3: yeah i mean he was he was thrown he was thrown all the way to chicago i think i'm not sure but i think I certainly know his last two plays. I think his last three touches of the ball were fumble, fumble, chucked backwards 10 yards, which is kind of a, micro, I... a microcosm of his entire career in Miami, really.
2: Well, I mean, you know, his, his career in Miami was actually more like, like he would have this major screw-up, right, and that just makes us all so pissed off. And then he'd have um, a couple of nice plays and then, you know, like two like exactly two and then he'd have another major screw up and then and then he'd have exactly two nice plays <laughs> and uh and this time he's starting together like three screw ups so it was like ah, oh, never mind he's gone
3: did, did he have what did he have three returns and the high five touchdown pretty much yeah well, five, I returns, mean, he had five the,
2: returns he has he, five he remember remember he had the um remember he had that big catch over um malcolm uh butler in, did, the, yeah. in the end zone Yes.
3: He mossed him. He mossed him.
2: Like a little smurf, little smurf uh, jumped up over and mossed that guy.
3: A a midget trying to get a hazelnut from a tree. (laughs) We will always
1: have that game in the third preseason game against Minnesota when he went absolutely Tyreek Hill on the Minnesota Vikings second team defense. I I don't even, if we always have that game, I don't even (laughs) remember it. So.
3: I don't even have that game because I haven't got a clue what you're talking about.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, boy. But yeah. It's the
2: high five, really. That's just yeah, the, 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 guys the high that, five.
3: The guys that he dominated in that game, are uh, in that preseason game, are now working at Walmart, uh, realtors. <laughs> one of them runs, one of them works in the gym in uh, St. Paul. <laughs> And I want to say, know. I want to
2: actually say, wasn't one of them? I thought one of them was like Xavier, Xavier Rhodes, but, um, or Xavier Rhodes, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was somebody else.
3: Chuck so Foreman,
2: Frank I mean, how,
3: In what world is, is Jakeen Granger on the same field as Xavier Rhodes in a preseason game? It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, first team defense <laughs> against eighth string receiver.
1: <laughs> yeah. Other news will fuller has more time to train for the tour de france simon because he's going on ir for three weeks is that really
3: news i mean i don't think that qualifies as news what what would be surprising is if he was playing yeah that would be news (laughs) that would be a shock (laughs) that'd be that'd be something we have to talk about at least we know he's not juicing He's on, he's not, he's not the
2: juicing, yeah, ju- but that's part of, know, of the problem.
1: That's that's part of the problem, Simon. Okay, exactly. That's because point. when he was juicing last year, he played every single game.
3: <laughs> you don't need to explain my jokes back to me. Alf. I I do that <laughs> that, was <it. laughs> that was yeah. That was that, that was joke. that was the point of my joke. Okay. It, it's that, been thanks a rough, for ruining it. it. It's been, it's been <laughs> thanks, for, okay. thanks for explaining it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for <laughs> mansplaining my own joke back to me. Is <laughs> <laughs> the worst comment ever? Uh, me and my mother-in-law well let me just explain to you what he means by that (laughs) why did the orange stop on the hill because it ran out of juice well orange juice is the thing that comes out of oranges it's just (laughs) you know the worst you're the worst welcome to artiaga's where we tell you every fucking joke inside and out
1: oh boy well here's another imagine a magic
2: act with uh with uh the (laughs) audience (laughs)
3: Abra, he's done it already he's done it
1: (laughs) that's not a a real bunny out of the hat oh boy Uh, speaking of jokes I don't know if you guys and I guess this is a a segue I'm pretty sure you you haven't seen this but have you seen Brian Flores' latest press conference where Omar Kelly asked him a question about the offensive line did you see what our head coach? What he responded with, Simon? Uh,
3: no, I didn't. But I, I was thinking about asking him a question next week about the offensive line. But Flores makes me nervous. Like I've asked loads of questions about him gaze and he, you know, I mean, <laughs> to be completely fair to him, he always made like slightly weird eye contact with those slightly sort of serial killer eyes that he had. <laughs> and then uh, I asked about Joe Philbin when, on the day when he got sacked on the flight on the way home. Asked a question about whether or not he heard all the people saying. Uh, fire Philbin in the crowd which went down about as well as a uh, as a massive <laughs> as a massive fart, uh, yeah, a oh yeah i did i did yeah it went down i remember really, it was against really, the
1: panthers well. right
3: Um uh, no it was in london so it was against it's when they lost do they lose 20 nothing to new orleans or something yeah like a, yeah, like a far in an elevator <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it was like but a really really big one and i said did you hear the cheer did you hear the child's fire Philbin." He just looked at me as if I'd just murdered his whole family. Um, <laughs> yeah. Didn't get out very well. Uh, um, and I can't there's a question there was a question I asked Gaze in Carolina that I mean to be to be completely fair to Gaze, he always engaged with me whenever I asked him questions. But I think if I asked Florestly, he might just want to just like beat the fuck out of me. <laughs> yes. Well more like I think
1: that this uh, this press conference, I don't know, it, it didn't inspire confidence, okay? And if you're at Austin Jackson and you watch that press conference, you got to be thinking, whoa.
3: If I'm <laughs> Austin Jackson, you're going, whoa, when you watch the film, not the press conference. I think that's
2: exactly what he says on basically every play where he steps back into pass protection.
3: Yeah. Um, He's like, whoa.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Just some variation of whoa.
1: But Omar Kelly essentially asked him, like, you know, what's the next step, you know, with Austin Jackson, you know, um, you know which kind of reminds me of, what was the name of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, head coach when they asked him, what do you think about your team's execution? And he said, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Brian God. Kelly. I w-
3: Brian no. Kelly. <laughs> was it Brian Kelly? Was it really? Yeah. Brian know. Kelly, the Notre Dame coach after the Florida State game. That's what he said, wasn't it?
2: oh no no but this is this is the the old the old buccaneers coach oh sorry like, okay. yes yes ref. um
3: ray perkins
2: that's, was it that's gonna that was ray perkins that's gonna kill me though
1: now nah, he was a former usc coach also john mcclain or something like that
2: mckay oh, was no w- was it mckay was it oh McKay? weish wasn't it wasn't it weish
1: nah oh, man i'll it. find out i'll find out for you right now okay the, the original
3: I mean, coach. I said Ray Perkins. It's oh, you said Ray
2: Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon, Ray Perkins was a coach. And uh and <laughs>
3: yeah. John right, McKay. Welcome
2: welcome John McKay. McKay. Oh, John McKay. Why did, did I say Rich, Rich McKay?
3: No, Rich, <laughs> that's Rich McKay's dad, isn't it?
2: Oh, okay. That's right. John
1: yeah. McKay. Yeah. Yeah. John McKay. Yeah. When John asked, McKay, you know, what guy. did you think about your team's execution? He says, you I'm know, I'm favorite. all for
3: it. I'm in favor of it.
1: Yeah, but um, Omar Kelly asked, you know, what's the next step with Austin Jackson? Do you move him inside? You know, do you move him to the bench? What are you going to do? And Brian Flores proceeded to just provide, and I counted it, 47 seconds of silence. Wow. And and if you want to know what 47 seconds of silence is, just sit there. It's a long time. And it just sounded, and if you saw it, there was a pained expression on his face like like he wanted to say, I don't know what the fuck to do, Omar. <laughs> OK, so I don't know. He says there's not many more changes. And he goes, some of these guys. And that was also odd when he said some of these guys really, really care, which means what other guys don't. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, so what does that mean? It's been an awful week for Brian Flores and press conferences. He looks absolutely different defeated and Why would he say well that? i don't know but i, I is... have to look i have to see this
2: now i have to see 47 seconds of just stare down like that's that's golden
3: did, did anybody fill the gap
2: maybe he was communicating telepathically
1: <laughs> possibly but it's been a series of odd press conferences this week uh coupled with like you know some you know rumblings that brian flores has gone off on the team several times and other players are, like, demanding the ball early. And it's also coupled with the most brilliant answer to a question I've ever heard from a quarterback. And I don't know if you saw Jacoby Brissett say he had to balance what he has to do for the team and taking shots downfield, which is the oddest thing I've ever heard a quarterback say. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, been, I, it's been an saw, odd week this week.
3: Yeah, I mean, I saw Tom Brady on Sunday night. I saw Derek Carr and Justin Herbert in that game on Monday night. What other the games to watch on Sunday after? Oh, well, Sharon Rogers, obviously, Green Bay against Pittsburgh. Right, right, I mean, I saw those boys loading up and throwing down the field, you know, four, five, six times a game. Um, I don't see them checking it down too often. Do you know what I mean? You don't see Aaron Rodgers taking the check down very often. Do you? I mean, uh, let's not confuse Aaron Rodgers with Jacob Brissett, but nevertheless, you know, Rodgers ain't looking for the Rodgers ain't looking for Aaron Jones out the backfield if he's got half a chance of hitting valdez Scanling or, or Devontae Devonte yeah. Adams. Do you know what I mean? Same with you know, say with Brady, he's not he's not pulling it down to to Ronald Jones when he can fire it up to Mike Evans or or Chris Godwin. So I don't know, like. It it does feel like in games, especially early on Sunday, it felt like we were going to the check down way too early. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like way too early. Like, well just
2: that the, that and I think the structured patience. place. That and I think the structured place, you know, like the the one the set plays. Um, it just it just feels like uh, there's there's way too much I don't know, there's way too much short short stuff happening, like like it's a focus, you know. <laughs> High percentage, like they're like they're focusing on high percentage, getting the offense going and stuff like that. And and, you know, Jacoby Brissett, unfortunately, can sometimes turn high percentage into not as high percentage. I mean, we saw him throwing out those one hoppers on the short passes to, Mm -hmm. you know, to to Jalen Waddle. And um, he can
1: also take he can also take uh, great play calls and turn them into shit. Here's the exact quote. So I I don't want to misquote Jacoby Brissett. I'm learning the balance of when to take those chances and when not to. I have to determine if I can make that throw as opposed to what you people think. What the fuck does that mean?
3: I don't think his, vision, his field vision is very good. No. And I think that's part of it. I don't think he sees a lot of it. I don't think he sees – unless he's moving around the pocket, I don't think he sees secondary and third-ary dairy third <laughs> tertiary that's a word yes yeah i know it's a word um i don't think he sees you know multiple reads when he's in, when he's moving around or running for his life um i think he he does but i, I don't think he stands in the pocket and, and and sees multiple reads opening up in front of him. Right? to me that's just not his to me that's just not his game it's not what he i was gonna say what he excels at but frankly he doesn't excel at anything um, but it's not, it's just not, doesn't play to his, to his favour at all. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody, if any of you listened to Lewis Riddick on Monday night in the game, but Riddick was very interesting when he talked about, and Riddick could see the deep shots coming. You know, whenever Henry Ruggs lined up in a certain position, Riddick would say, they're going deep here. And they did multiple times to, to, to Ruggs and hit him twice, one that big 58 yarder over, over Derwin James. And really literally called it beforehand in terms of it went to, went we haven't taken a single deep shot. I mean we've taken a medium shot to Jalen Waddle, which was the kind of the, the the jump ball against New England. Right, right. But you know, I watched Devonta Smith against Carolina, uh, against um whoever the Eagles are playing the other night. Uh the Chiefs was it. And they were throwing down the field to Devonta Chayland Hurts was throwing down the field to Smith. Obviously, you know, we've seen what um we've seen what Henry Ruggs does and brings to that offense, and it's a lot of, you know. Deep shots, some of which they connect. with yeah, you know, Jalen Waddle. I mean, is he averaging like eight point six yards per catch? He's got 22 catches. I think he's twelfth in the league, but for eight point six yards a, a reception or something like that. I mean, you think that is not what you thought? You know, if anything, I thought Jalen Waddle would be like you know the twenty point two yards per reception on forty catches. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you'd have a string of long bomb touchdowns. But I mean, it's we're coming to week five for fuck's sake. And I think I don't know what you boys think, but. The best drive of the season has been the first drive of the season, which is when they moved the ball down the field and Tua ran in for the touchdown against New England. It was quick. It was efficient. It was a lot of RPO stuff. It was a lot of, you know, you know pace pacing was good, mixing in the run. I thought, wow, if this is the offense for the rest of the year, we're going to be absolutely flying. And it's completely – they just almost didn't go back to it. It's just like so inconsistent, and that's the, that's the killer.
2: I think yeah, some it- of those drives at the end of this Colts game were pretty good, though. I yeah, mean, no,
1: and, and that uh, that uh, the drive to start the second half against New England where Tua was actually really sharp, and through that 50-50 ball the Devontae Parker, which was their other deep ball, but,
3: but I don't understand. My, po- my point is consistency of play calling, not just yeah. one or two plays in a drive, it, the whole drive, do you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. you look at I mean, you look at some of the drives that, that Josh McDaniels called on Monday night, Sunday night, for, for the Patriots. You know, absolute clinics in terms of play calling. You look mm-hmm. at you know, where is our consistency in play calling? Some of the drives that, that the Chargers were calling for for Justin Herbert, uh, certainly early on, you know, when Herbert went seven for seven on that on the opening drive and they went up 14 nothing 21-3 or whatever it was. they just think, where is our play calling mixing in, you know, at, where's our version of Austin Eckler mixing and throwing the ball to the tight end, to, to Jared Cook mixing in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and whatever i I didn't see i didn't see anybody getting chucked back 10 yards or you know tosses to mike gesicki on third and eight you know in overtime or those sorts do you know what i mean it was like i don't know it's just an inconsistency of 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 everything really no now some players
1: are are getting salty on twitter i don't know if you're watching the back and forth with jason McCordy and joe shad but joe shad puts out a tweet that says jason McCordy on tom brady quote he's human and Jason McCourty responds, and please give context to the line of questions. Your tweet implies I stood up and made Tom Brady sound like an ordinary quarterback, which was the total opposite of what I said to you guys the few minutes I talked to you. Jason McCourty. Yeah. So, so now they're snapping back at, at the media. You know, It's only been four weeks, by the way. <laughs> it's yeah, week
3: exactly. four. We and all this ever bullshit's seen. happening. <laughs> To be fair to Joe Shad, Joe has replied, hi, Jason, you're completely fair. Here's the entire question and answer, Joe.
1: Good, he would. He
2: would.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, Joe's a great, Joe is a great guy. Yeah. Big yes, fan of Joe Shad. Good, good yes, journalist, better person.
1: Yeah, Here, here's another moment. You're talking about taking deep shots against the Raiders in overtime. What, rewatch that drive after they give up the field goal and now they need a field goal to tie it or they lose the game against the Raiders. Watch that drive. Watch the aggressiveness in the play calling on that drive. And the damn near got two pass interference penalties out of it. They did drive it 50 yards and kick the field goal. Uh, Maybe there's something there and maybe that's where they, where they got to start. We talked about this earlier, Chris, I'm out of ideas, but you seem to have one as far as what the offense should be going forward, at least until Tua comes back next week.
2: Well, so, so what I think, you know, what does Jason Jacoby Brissett do well? I mean, he's big and strong, right? And so when you when you set him up to be a sacrificial lamb in the pocket um, to this offensive line, actually, some of the time you find out that he is able to escape. And you know, they talked about it so many times in the Colts game that, uh, or the that the Colts players and coaches were all telling them. Uh, the media beforehand and pregame that that they they really got to watch uh, Jacoby Brissett's legs and his mobility and ability to escape the pocket and extend the plays, uh, especially his uh, um, I forget if it was uh, DeForest Buckner said uh, especially watch him escaping through the B gaps, um, and and I think that that's that's something Jacoby Brissett does well. And, you know, I, I realized that the offensive line is, is shit and, and we've got challenging issues there, but, um, but probably the best thing for it right now is to spread them out and when you spread out four or five wide, um, you know you're putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback because uh, if if there's something if there's something that comes in, you know, an unidentified blitzer or you know something, uh, somebody beats a block or something like that, quarterback's got to do something about it. Well, I think Jacoby Brissett more probably than so than even than Tua Tonga um, is able to to do something about those about those players coming in. And I think that once he escapes the pocket, and as Simon was alluding to earlier, he's got clearer vision. Um, he, you know, he sees things unfolding. He's more willing to take a shot. Um, it seems like, and uh, and and I think that the offense is better off for it because then they start to then they get these chunk plays, and and they can start mixing in some of the some of the more the stuff that they want to run. That's a little bit more, um, you know. Uh, execution oriented but if we just go in with all of this these set plays and um you know this the short oriented execution style football i just it's just going to keep failing because some you know somebody it's too sensitive it's too sensitive to one screw up it's like one screw up and then the whole drive is just dead i mean it's just giving up and that's it and that's what happens when you're when you when you play like that and um, it's one thing if you, you know, we talk about like the Patriots and, and how they executed against the Buccaneers and well, yeah, but the Patriots are a very execution oriented football team and, um, and, you know, they have a very execution oriented quarterback. You know, we, we kind of, sometime we tease Mac Jones about not throwing beyond five yards, but he's, he can execute, you know, Jacoby Brissett's throwing one hoppers. Um, on those, uh, on those, those five yard passes out to the wings, you know? Um, so I, I think that, I think that the dolphins really do have to have to, you know, just go shotgun and, uh, and split some people out, put a little pressure on Jacoby Brissett to maybe, um, extend plays or, uh, or escape pressure. If, if, if pressure does get in, because, Hey, you know, most of the time it actually doesn't, um, surprise, surprise, even though the offensive line is shit, um, yeah, that's. What, I think that's what they have to do because if they it just strikes striking to me that if they if they keep bashing their head against the wall over and over again, trying to do what they've been trying to do for the last three games, it's just or four games, you know, with Tua at the helm, um, it's uh, it's it's just gonna end badly, and then and then we're gonna see a press conference uh, in Tampa where um, where Brian Flores stares at me for 90 seconds because I ask him why, why his offense is better when given no choices about how to attack the defense than when given a full menu of choices on how to attack the defense. I'm going to ask him that question. And, um, and you know, he's going to stare at me for 90 seconds and try to take my head off with his eyes.
1: <laughs> you have a bulletproof vest? I could get for you.
2: <laughs> Well, I'm just going to bring my peeps. I got I'm I'm in hometown. I'm in hometown territory here. He's not.
1: Before we move on to other wonderful quotes from George Godsey and the like, um I was perusing Austin Jackson. Do you know the PFF has him charged with no sacks allowed this year? Which is insane. That that can't be correct. There's there's just no way that's correct. I don't I know, right? He's also been charged with 22 pressures which seems low to me.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, that actually <laughs> seems a little bit low.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: But here's here's a fun fact, Simon. He has 3 holding penalties. Do you know what happened on the 3 plays where he had holding penalties?
3: Um massive gains.
1: 36-yard reception, 24-yard reception, 19-yard reception.
3: <laughs> mm. They were they definitely holding penalties, or were they not those? Um, illegal man downfield, it's he, had, Austin Jackson. he had at least one, he had it's at least Austin. one man, man up down the field. One,
1: yeah, well, that's uh, that's those are the gains on those three plays. So, yeah, mm-hmm. one of them was a, an illegal man downfield, which was legitimate. I remember watching it, okay. And he was he was he's downfield, you can't, uh, offensive lineman can't be five yards down the field, period, yeah, right. And the other, the other two holding penalties, they were probably holding penalties, you know, let's face it, it's Austin, it's Austin Jackson. So, you know, before we get into Austin Jackson, I wanted to ask you, Simon, like, you know, we're at the the precipice, right? Like something has to be done. Like they got to make a move somehow because this start is uh, you have a left tackle that you drafted 18th overall that's short circuiting your entire season. If you really think about it. Okay. But before that, George Godsey had some wonderful quotes this week. He said, they got to figure out how to get Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker more involved early in games, which is – I heard that quote, and I was it's like, literally fire him now. Fire all these people now because that's the dumbest thing I've heard an offensive coach ever say. You have to use two of your best players early in games? Yeah, I would. I would hope so. Your thoughts
3: I mean, I thought- on that
1: and then your thoughts on Austin Jackson going forward.
3: Um, I thought it was ridiculous that Mike Gasicki touched the ball for the first time with the penultimate play of the third quarter and Devontae Parker touched it for the first time with the last play of the third quarter against the Colts. I mean, that, that, that's a sackable offence in itself. You know, Gasicki should be getting 10 targets again. You look at, you know, I hate to keep banging on about it, you go back to that Chargers um, Raiders game from Monday night. You know, Mike Gasicki is in the same category as, you know, in terms of Darren Waller. Jared Cook, you know, really good pass catching. Yeah, you know, Waller's probably a better, you know, bigger target, really. Yeah. But you know, those guys are, you know, Cook was involved a lot. Waller was involved a lot. You know, why is Casicki? You know, it, how many how many catches would Casicki had if if he played for Kansas City or if he played for Green Bay or, you know, if he played for for teams that throw the ball down the field, you know. I just think it's ludicrous that we're not getting involved until the end of the third quarter. And I know that coverage is, you know, teams are rolling coverage over to covering. But isn't that why we drafted Jalen Model To help take players off Mike Gasicki? To help take players off? You know, there's no more excuses um so i just find that baffling i find it baffling that happens i find it even more baffling that they come out and say we need to get these guys involved more often because you know what's going to happen now the first like six throws of the game at the weekend are all going to be at parker and Gesicki and they're going <laughs> well we tried to get them involved but it just you know that's just typically stupid coaching for roston jackson i've just looked it up actually did you say that he gave up 22 pressures already this season in four games
1: that's what pff says
3: <laughs> okay um, do you know how many pressures David Bakhtiari gave up last year in uh, four hundred and sixty-eight snaps?
1: I would venture to guess about one per game, so less than sixteen.
3: Uh, six the entire season. Nice. <laughs> so he gave up six but he's pressures. A, he's, a,
1: he's a good left tackle. No, he's a great
3: left tackle. But that's—I mean—that's that, what you know. I mean, the best, arguably the best left tackle in the game gives up six pressures an entire season with a, you know, with a quarterback who ended up as league MVP. So he was dropping back quite a lot to throw. Let's be honest. Yeah. Mm. Um, and Austin Jackson in four games, three of which have been played by a backup quarterback. Um, so not dropping back nearly as much as Aaron Rodgers was in the MVP season has already given up 22. Actually, I was looking, I was going put some videos up on Twitter later. I am, um, I was looking at the All-22 of the game against the Colts, trying to look at really at, at Jackson and see whether or not there's any value in moving him to guard. Adam Shaheen plays an awful lot of the time on that left side, chipping his, mm-hmm. helping out and chipping the, the Russia. It's, it, it's probably about 50-50 where Jackson is either is in isolation or he's, you know, he's given help. Often it's Shaheen, sometimes it's Malcolm Brown, mm-hmm. but more often than not, he is getting extra help his technique is so bad. He bends at the waist. He bends at the waist all the time. He's off balance. He doesn't know how to use his arms at all. And that's the thing that concerns me about moving to guard. Is his fundamental strength. He's just not very strong. There's, there's no
2: reason to believe, and um, no. right now, in my opinion, that he can move to guard and just like, agree. Just, like just take over. Absolutely just, no
3: reason. He's got no functional football strength. You know, yeah. if you, you look at him jab his hands into. You watch a Teron Armstead, or you watch a, a Jack Conklin, or you watch Trent Williams. You watch the best left tackles in the game. They're stunning guys with their hands. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like watching, you know, it's like watching a, a Tyson Fury or a, you know somebody a really good jab from a boxer. You know that they are stopping the oncoming uh, opponent because their jab is so strong. Mm-hmm. He's, his his jab, his hands control and what he's able to do or not do is he's so weak he's not stopping anybody and, mm. and it leaves him off balance and then he's fucked I mean I'm going to put some videos up later and you just think what are you I don't know what you're doing what are you thinking here like his well, set his set isn't good enough his kick slide oh no wide. his set has
2: always been but his, his set, set has, always, awful, been bad. But his set has always been awful but who's coaching him I know. who is coaching I know.
3: him there yeah. because he doesn't um, look to be getting yeah. any better
2: but those the, those PFF numbers, I'm staring right at them. Uh, just just a context thing for that. I'm first off, I'm seeing 20, not 22. But but don't don't mistake that as being good because um, it is actually it is leading the league uh, among among all guy all tackles with uh, with at least 100 100 reps. There, um, he leads. All he's leading. Uh, he leads the ball. He's leading. He's leading to yeah, leading the league in uh, pressures at twenty, <laughs> and he did it in three games. The others are all doing done let's it. Let's expand
1: it. Let's expand it to college football and high school football.
2: <laughs> well, we might as well. I mean, because it, and it's that it's that bad. I mean, this is you know, if only if only I mean, <laughs> if if uh, if he could hold his blocks as long as Brian Flores could hold his stairs for uh, you know for. <laughs> about austin jackson i mean that's that would be wonderful but i mean this is this is yeah this is just really bad and it's it's kind of baffling why they're just sticking with it and they're just saying you know we're just gonna go down with the ship on this one um but uh, it's it's just very strange
1: uh like i said i would have moved on he's short-circuiting the season essentially (laughs) And when Tua he's comes not the back- only
3: one, he's not the only one though. Let's be honest. No, he's not.
2: Oh, he's no. not. no, but
1: he's, uh, you know, he's, he's the ringleader. He's no, the ringleader.
2: actually, and, and and I wouldn't even say that he, you know, is the biggest thing that's short circuiting the season. I think they're doing more damage than him individually. I think they're doing more damage with the, uh, the manner of their play call. Yeah, I agree. Call- and in these games, and I think that that's I think that there's just a fundamental mismatch between the the style the style of personnel that they set up in the offseason and what they're trying to do during the games. Um, and and you're seeing it, you're seeing that mismatch during play out for like basically three quarters of the game and then and then yeah. they have to open it up and then and then all of a sudden they move the ball and, and get down the field and score some, I will, I will
3: some say more. this it is set up for a six foot Hawaiian quarterback to come back and save the season like it couldn't have the narrative couldn't have been written any better that's for, true that's true for fans of mm-hmm. Tua, the the argument that Jacoby Brissett could start should start would start over him it, w- has gone forever Nobody oh. is ever going to make that case mm-hmm. okay yep. so he is now he now finds himself actually in a favorable position you get the super Bowl champions out the way okay and now the next few games the jaguars the falcons okay you win those two games then you're on something of a, okay, all right, we're back to, because, I mean, we're going to lose this weekend, I would imagine. So all of a sudden, you win those two games, you're back to what, two and three and four?
1: Yeah, three then and I think four. it's
3: the Buffalo on the road, maybe, so yeah, yeah. three and five. Then you've got the Jets, okay, yeah, four and five. And then you've got a massive game on a Thursday night against the Ravens at home. Now, the Ravens mm. always bum us to death, all right? Yeah, they do. <laughs> but, you know, if we've gone three and one during that stretch, Thursday night, short week, at home, national TV audience, you know, and if he's played well in those games, you just never know because that could be the statement game. And by the then
1: audience. the Ravens might not have any players left on the roster if, yeah. if, if they you know. keep losing players every week like they
2: are. Their only, only running back might be their quarterback. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, who could kill us? But he could. You, just, you just never know. Yeah. All of a sudden the narrative could turn – again, I go back to what Peter King said in that in his column two weeks ago – These five games could be the make or break. Because if he shows enough in these five games, he stays healthy. He wins games that he should win and keeps it close in games that perhaps we shouldn't win, Buffalo on the road, Baltimore at home. Yeah, all of a sudden, you just never know.
2: Well, let's also keep in mind, I mean, we and we mentioned it on the last episode, um, you know, well, let's go back even further. The only thing he's done this season is win up in New England, right? Mm -hmm. he played he played like four snaps of the buffalo game or something like that uh so the only thing he's done this season is is beat the patriots in new england um and then we talked about the raiders game would he have won the raiders game i mean that was a tight game and it went into overtime and you know it maybe wouldn't have even been tight with him with him throwing the ball um and we talked about the colts game and it just seemed like what was available against the Colts specifically in that defense that we keep harping on all week and and showing all these all 22 snapshots and stuff like that. It just seems like Tua would have would have taken that. And so we probably, you know, maybe probably would have won the Colts game. So all he's done this season is like, you know, and a real and on the real, you know, he beat the Patriots up in New England. And then we're looking at the way the the Raiders and the, the Colts games unfold. And we're like, he might be he might be three and one at this point if he had Mm -hmm. been playing and now he's going to be playing you know okay we got the buccaneers game to get out of the way but then he's going to be playing as simon says you know the jaguars and um, the jets and some some kind of you know some some bum opponents um you know this could have been this could have been a hell of a narrative already shaping up if he hadn't gone down injured is what i'm saying you know the Mm. the jack and play the Jags, beat the Jags, beat the Falcons, beat the Texans after the Buffalo game, you know, um, beat the, well, I don't know about the Ravens. We'll see about that. Cause like Simon said, they always just, they always beat us. Um, and then the, the jets right after that. So um, this could have been, this could have been the narrative season that Tua needed really um, based on how everybody was attacking them probably a little bit unfairly in the off season. Uh, and it's just the, the cracked ribs are an unfortunate um, interruption in that. But, you know, at the same time, everybody says he's injury prone. And, and I guess um, I think that that's there's truth to that. I think it has more to do with his playing style than his frame. But um, but, yeah, I think uh, I think it's just a, a shame.
1: Yeah. If Jesse Davis had not allowed a, a car to run onto the field and run to a tongue of Aloa over. Right. I mean, I don't think we'd be saying he's injury prone. You know, it was a are, bad it was a really bad pass rush
2: rep. And and yeah. I don't want to I don't want to take away from it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, quarterbacks can survive that. There are just tiny little things that quarterbacks do just right. And it has nothing to do with his frame being six foot. Oh, and 215 pounds because um, he packed on a lot of muscle this offseason. I mean, he's he's doing well that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think he has some sort of. Weird genetics that, that make his ribs crack um, more easily than than other guys. Um, but I do think his playing style has always been, you know, sort of this mm-hmm. this daring this daring style um, where he's just always looking to to make the play right up to the final uh, millisecond. And um, and you know, it's it's gotten him in trouble both in college and in the pros.
3: We've got three minutes left on this Zoom call. Let's do the preview. Let's do... What should we call it? Prediction. prediction? Do we win?
1: Uh, Death. Uh, That's my prediction. Okay. uh, On the way out, very quickly, I guess your prediction. And another thing, uh, a certain cornerback that was drafted also in the first round might have to be pressed into action this week against Mike Uh Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown and company because Byron Jones is likely out this week, and possibly longer. So, with your prediction, does Noé Benagani play? Where does he play, and what happens in the game?
3: Simon? He does play uh, and the problem is that people don't understand how to watch cornerbacks. So if he gives up a, a completion, people will be like, he's shit, he's shit, he's terrible, what a waste of... And actually, they don't really understand nuance of, of how... He, like, people say, oh, you know, Xavier Howard gave up a completion. Well, he threw it 35 times, and he only gave up one completion. So on the other 34 plays, he was actually brilliant. So um, I think Tampa Bay 38, Miami 10.
1: Okay, Chris? Um...
2: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Simon just about the defense giving things up. I don't know that it's going to be Noah egg monogamy, uh as a problem in per se, but um, but I think the defense has shown has been showing some cracks and uh, and who better to to really drive drive those cracks than Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Um, so yeah, there's there's going to be this is going to be a good 33-point you know, game or at least for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I actually do think Miami weirdly puts up offense like uh, 21 points um, because they're just their backs against the wall and they're just going to say, fuck it, and probably do what we um, what we've always wanted them to do. But then again, I've been predicting that for a while and I've been wrong. So,
1: yeah, I've I've been uh, all year. I've been talking about, you know, what's required from this team and they failed at every single turn. I think this is one of those games where you're required to actually play hard and be competitive for a while. I think they pull that off, but Tampa Bay wins by multiple touchdowns. Let's say 35, 21. They win by two touchdowns with two touchdowns. Let's say the dolphins draw closer. They're down three touchdowns. They draw close to within two call it 35, 21 Tampa Bay. All right. That's it. There is no more. One more week of Jacoby Brissett, and we've made it. And then we get to see 2-0 return. But till then.
2: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.